The Devil's Advocates Radio Show is broadcast under a time brokerage agreement between Devil Radio and Civic Media Inc. Some portions of this program may be pre recorded. Warning You're about to listen to the greatest radio show ever. And due to contractual obligations and to shield our airwaves and corporate licensees from any semblance of liability, responsibility, and gullibility, we must tell you the views represented on this show are not necessarily those of this station or its management. This radio show contains differing points of view on current political topics, and due to the nature of its contents, it should be heard by everyone. Thank you for listening. Now live from the Civic Media Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, where the political party is just beginning, welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Friends proving it's never personal, only politics. And now, here's your hosts, Dom and Crute. Welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Here I am, Dom, back in the WMDX 92.7 FM studios, but I'm calling this one the escape from Iowa Thursday edition (laughs) or Friday Eve, as you would have it be known as right. Welcome home, Crudy. Well done. Happy Friday Eve to you, Nate, working so hard on the board. A lot of sound, a lot of a lot of cuts we can bring to the fair people today. A lot of action last night and today. It's going to be a great show. We bring nothing but relevance. So, Dom, we'll talk about my foray into Iowa and my stop today. Barely made it out of Iowa. But let's lead with Trump. Trump claims corporations are trying to escape New York. (laughs) I had seen conflicting headlines, Dom. (laughs) He was going to give testimony during his closing statement. Donald Trump, the former president, in the fraud trial, which he had already lost, and it was not a jury trial, although... He did make some claim today. Oh, they never gave you the right to a jury trial. <laughs> Your lawyers didn't file for a jury trial. Oh, don't let the facts get in the way. So That'll this, be a theme throughout the day. This bench trial was already decided. Really, the question is how much? How yes. much financial liability does the Trump org? And in this case, that's Don Sr., Don Jr., and Eric. Yet somehow Ivanka has escaped this one. But the decisions could be made, and somehow they what came to a compromise. They were arguing in court, apparently, Dom, and then Trump was allowed to speak, and I think the judge probably regretted it immediately. Uh, <laughs> know. You know, on this one, I was very surprised that this came down the way it did. Uh, the judge gave Trump and his attorneys a, a window of opportunity to declare whether or not he would actually speak, extended their, their deadline to respond uh, more than once, and then finally said, well, you haven't, you know, said yes, and you haven't agreed to the, the scope and uh, the parameters in which way we would allow this to happen. Uh, so, no, he's not going to be able to do closing arguments. But Trump today, because... You're right. Seemingly, sometimes I would have to agree with some of these Republicans that maybe we do have a two-tiered system. Because I'm pretty sure if I got up there and pulled this kind of crap Trump did today, the judge would have shot me down immediately. Now, the other side of this is I'm not sure Donald Trump did himself any favors since that the the the, the fraud has already been found to be accurate and real. And now we're talking about how much does Donald Trump owe the state of New York? We, of course, we started out at $250 million, and it's since gone up to, what, $370 million. Uh, so, you know, pushing back on the on the judge and 
you know, Trump being Trump, uh, I, I'm not clear he, he, he did himself any favors. You mean by speaking, giving what I've seen described to him as something of a campaign speech? <laughs> I mean, that's all he knows how to do, man. But there were no cameras in the courtroom. He did. He did address the the assembled press, and we will bring you some of that sound, but no sound from the courtroom. So if you're giving a stump speech, you're giving it really for an audience of Ingeron, and he's already found you legally culpable Liable. in the case, <laughs> and and really is just citing how much money you owe. And my understanding is, ah, uh, he became a bit impatient. This judge. With the rantings, the ramblings, Dom. And uh, I've got a little coverage here, and I know you got the the broader AP coverage, but Judge Ingeron got under Trump's skin in a courtroom skirmish, according to CNN. Uh, Dom, not long after closing arguments began, in the they're describing it here as the $320 million Donald Trump oh, financial fraud okay. trial. No, I had seen 370 also. I assume this journalist wrong, Dom, because... 63% of the time, we get it right every time. <laughs> but Judge Arthur Ingeron felt compelled to step in and cut off Trump attorney Christopher Keis, who boasted his client is considering a real estate industry expert. Trump's oh. an expert, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, on everything. Hell, he's never even been on the radio, Crudy. We all know that if you're on the radio, you're an expert in everything. If not, you know, you're not. According to reporting of CNN's Paula Reid, Ingeron cut the lawyer off and corrected him. Chris Keis is presenting his closing argument, she reported before adding. For the first time, we heard the judge stop him and correct him. It was over whether former President Donald Trump is an industry expert. Keis reminded the court as part of his closing argument, I'm reading notes, that Trump is a, quote, industry expert. He said, Trump has been part of the fabric of commercial real estate in the state. And around the world, the judge stopped him and said, Trump has not been qualified as an expert. When you bring in an expert, they have to be qualified. <laughs> I mean, uh, turning to CNN's co-host, John Berman, Reed observed the judge stopped him, corrected him. Things like this, John, get under Trump's skin. Trump's sitting in there because this case is so personal. This is about everything he sold himself to be. It's likely this exchange did not please. Kais's client. <laughs> Likely, you think? Trump is not an expert, uh, but he was allowed to speak in his own defense against probably the better judgment of everyone except for Christopher Kais because he allowed his counsel to give some sort of statement. Well, I mean, if, if you're Trump's uh, attorney. Client, my bad. If you're Trump's attorney, you, you kind of know do you what stop you him? up for. Right, exactly. Well, he had to uh, argue. He had to plead to get this to happen, did he not? Uh, well, again, it was originally rejected. The AP reporting on Wednesday, the judge rejected an unusual plan by Trump to deliver his own closing remarks in the courtroom. In addition to summations from his legal team, sticking point was that Trump lawyers would not agree to the judge's demand that he stick to relevant matters and try not to introduce new evidence or make a campaign speech. After two of Trump's lawyers delivered the traditional closing arguments Thursday, one of them, Chris Keyes, asked the judge again whether Trump could speak. And Goran asked Trump whether he would abide by the guidelines. Trump then launched in the remarks. And I would assume, based on the reporting, didn't answer that portion of the question from the judge. Here's what he did say. This is a fraud on me. What's happening here, sir, is a fraud on me. He later accused the judge of not listening to him. I know this is boring you. 
control your client, the judge warned, keys. So that was the kind of day that Donald Trump had in court. When 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 you don't agree to the terms of, of the speaking uh, and you come in last minute and the judge asks you questions, will you abide by the, the, the terms? And you just launch into your tirade and it, it results in the judge asking the attorneys to control his client. I'm not clear that was a positive uh, effort by Donald Trump in the terms of the judge. I've never been able to control your actions either. <laughs> never. Do. Glad I don't represent you in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> except as a co-host of the greatest radio show ever. Uh, we've got some of the sound. Do, should, should we play some of the, not the actual courtroom statement, the Trump stump speech he made for apparently the judge, because that's somehow going to lower his liability in this case. And then he came out and he talked to the assembled Dom and uh, made the case that corporations are fleeing New York because of, you know, stuff like this. He doesn't like it, of course. You know, if you can't break some rules, Dom, who wants to operate in that state anyways? So let's play some of the sound. Donald Trump, let's get it started, if you would, on trial. And what about Axon? Cut one. This is a disgraceful situation. This is why businesses are fleeing New York like Exxon. Millions and millions of dollars a year in taxes. And I paid millions and millions of dollars a year. We paid approximately $300 million over a fairly short period of time. And they don't <laughs> want me to pay it anymore. This is a very serious problem because companies are fleeing New York. They ought to focus on the crime, violent crime in the city. One of the reasons they're fleeing. The other reason they flee is because of attorney generals like this that just want to get elected. Thank you very much. It's been very successful. I don't know that we're going to get a fair, a fair ruling. But everybody knows, everybody knows what I just said. This is a sham, and it's a shame. Thank you. Are you talking today in the press conference? Are you going to talk? This was before the trial, apparently, Dom. And uh, one more from Trump. I think there's time. Cut to, again, talking about Exxon. We just had a very good session. The lawyer said that there was uh, absolutely nothing done wrong. These were all great loans. The bank uh, got the loans. They got paid. Uh, the banks were in perfect condition. The bankers were extremely happy with these loans. They made a lot of money with the loans. There were no defaults, there were no problems. This is just an attorney general that hates Donald Trump and wanted to run for governor, wanted to run for attorney general. And it's a shame. I think she's, she should be criminally liable for this. She did this to Exxon, and they drove Exxon out of New York. Uh, Exxon paid billions of dollars of taxes. They're now living in Texas. Uh, Exxon is uh, very happy in Texas. Other companies, because of what's happening here, are going to be moving out of New York also. This is an out-of-control attorney general. She's totally out of control. These loans were all good. The banks were extremely happy with me. They still are. We built a great company. We have a company that's very liquid, very strong, great assets. And she sued me because she wanted the publicity to run for office. But they find nothing wrong. And I think if anybody was being fair about it, and I'm not sure you can even hear me because they don't allow microphones over here, which is really ridiculous. But uh, if anybody's fair about it, you see, this is a case that should have never been brought. And I think we should be entitled to damages. Thank you. I'll be back. <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that Nate actually did the, the fact checking on behalf of the panel here today. Our fine producer, Nate, 
If you call in at 844-967-2789, Nate will lightly screen your call. But here's what Nate points out. Exxon moved from New York to Irving, Texas. That part's true, Dom. In 1989. That was the year you graduated from high school, man. You're yeah. you're what? Celebrating a 35-year anniversary soon? 1989, smoking dope and drinking wine. Yeah, I mean, come on, Donald Trump? And he did say he was asked about this after uh, the trial today. And he tried to sum it up by saying, well, you know, they had other divisions that were still in New York and, and now they're gone too. So that's what Trump says. But again, who cares about Exxon? Dude, you already found guilty. We're talking about how much. And yeah, it is up to $370 million. He strongly denies it. Was it me? Find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. Kicking ass and taking names since the Wisconsin Uprising. The Devil's Advocate. And we are back from the 420 break. Thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show. Some say the greatest radio show ever, and it gets even a little bit better when you hang out with us. You can do so at 844-967-2789. Dominic, I escaped from Iowa earlier today. (laughs) It was touch and go. The the blizzard that hit Iowa two days ago. As I described it, hundreds of cars in the ditch. That's what I told you yesterday when I drove down, and it was miserable. White knuckle driving all the way down to a presidential primary debate, a Republican presidential primary debate between Ron DeSantis, who inspires no one, including his wife. That's why she often jumps up there and speaks for him. Not even she takes Ron DeSantis' <laughs> leadership. Uh, and Nikki Haley, who, you know, might be the last best alternative to Donald Trump. Although, what did what did Chris Christie say about her on the, the way out the door? He, of course, dropped out yesterday while we... She's going to get smoked. She's going to get smoked. Not up to yeah. it. Not up to the cause. So it will now be probably because, you know, I think DeSantis will drop out at some point, Dom. It'll be Nikki Haley versus Trump, but we'll see. Hasn't happened yet. Dom, the the caucus happens next Monday, the 15th. And here's what I would point out. And I guess I hadn't thought about it this this much until I had a four and a half hour drive back and forth to Iowa. <laughs> a little, little a thinking, thinking time, time. Behind, the, yeah. behind the wheel. <laughs> here's what I would point out. Weather will play a factor. They've got, the whole time I was driving back, there were winter storm warnings and they kept popping up on like my screen got a nice little jeep screen cousin joe got us the nice jeeps and uh it kept telling me about winter storm warnings and then it's going to be a deep freeze after they get another round of dumps yeah snow uh a deep freeze and then everyone's got to go out and caucus monday night and that will tell you how devoted they are to their respective candidates and joe biden joe biden made Iowa, not a thing for the Democrats. He doesn't have any real competition. So the Dems aren't caucusing, but the Republicans are, and they're going to do so on Monday. So Dom, uh, I can't say that. Maybe the Dems are doing something, but who cares? If it's not being acknowledged by the president, who effectively is the head of the Democratic Party, if he says South Carolina are bust, well, I guess it's busted Iowa. 
Iowa doesn't matter to the Dems anymore. And Dom, I got to tell you, with all the right-wing talk radio I heard all across that state, didn't hear <laughs> yeah. anything that resembled civic media going on. Didn't hear anything that sounded like lefty talk. Nothing great like us. No, of course. But I did get out with my life. The bar, a little disappointing, Dom. Wasn't a lot of power drinking going on after the alternative debate. Oh, no. What'd you do? I don't know. I was there. I was playing third base at the Marriott Hotel downtown lobby bar, as you know I like to. About the only fun little story. Uh, what's his name? Garrett Hake from uh, MSNBC. And I, we we rode up on the elevator together when we both apparently bailed out. I bailed out after the radio show. I had to go check in because otherwise it was going to be like midnight. And I wasn't going to have a hotel room. So I went to go check in. And uh, my first mistake was probably valeting the car because I was looking. Eh. I mean, it was like a snow globe in Des Moines last night. It was snowing again last night. Yeah. And after I went to the bar and rode up in the elevator with uh, Garrett Hake and, you know, I'm super cool. So I say to this guy, he's, he's an MSNBC. I think he's their Capitol Hill reporter. And he's there with his producer, pretty, pretty woman. And uh, anyways, they're riding up to the mezzanine level, probably had their own soiree going on there. I'm like, you know, this bar is the best hotel bar in America. You know, if you like the politics to, to see and to be seen. And he looks at me like I'm some sort of a dumbass, And he goes, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't see him at the bar later. So, <laughs> or anybody you else really. You were gonna be... <laughs> Here was the saddest don't part. Don't go to the bar. Crudy's going to be there, man. You, you, you told, told me... everybody before we got down there, you were going to hang on the bar. Man. I be did. Sneaky up into that thing. I, I, I ate my victuals at the bar. What, what would you have me dine on? If I was in Des Moines, Iowa, Dom. Well, an Iowa pork Something chop, of course. <laughs> an Iowa pork chop, man. That's sort of the Iowa tradition. So I had the, the house pork chop, and I ate it at the bar, and I played third base. And I met some nice people. Actually, well, not all nice people. I hung out with the Vivek Ramaswamy guy. Oh, yeah? At the bar late in the evening. Yes, it had gotten a little late in the evening by then. And he and his wife had come back from the alternative, the alt-alt event because Vivek Ramaswamy was also in Des Moines last night and he wasn't at the debate and he wasn't at the Trump town hall. So he was doing some straight to Twitter affair or something. And uh, this guy had apparently uh, attended it. How do I know he was wearing the Vivek Ramaswamy t-shirt and, and I'm, I'm talking to this guy and you know, I've tried to take these people at face value at this point, Dom, but I'm talking to this guy and I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, why do you need, the younger, newer version of Trump. You're just a Trumpster. You know, everything coming out of this guy's mouth, he's just he's just a Trumpster. And I'm like, why do you need a a, a watered-down version of your bigoted Trump? You got your man. You don't need a Vivek Ramaswamy. So anyways, I, just, I think Rick, but maybe I was just putting that in my head because, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy guy, you know, Eric or Rick or something like that. And, uh, Dom, I got the hell out of Des Moines early. Just <laughs> rolled out of town. Nothing good happened to be in Des Moines. You know, no good stories. And I felt disappointed. So I'm like, I got to do some work. I had to bring some effort. Yeah, I've spent a lot of money in bars and restaurants here in the last day or so. I got to bring back something. So, Dom, I went and I, I did our forward work in Dubuque. 
I got ahead of the Monday affair because I want to make sure I'm prepared. I hate when I waste your time because you never let me hear the end of it, right? <laughs> That's very valuable. And also, I, I told you, hundreds of cars in the ditch while on the way back. Understanding, 24 hours later, two days after the blizzard, I did a count. And I would ask you, Dom, what do you think the count was? Uh, cars in the ditch two days after the blizzard. 43. I drove 200 miles, about 194.2, between Dubuque and Des Moines to Dubuque. And uh, it was bigger than 43. Way bigger. Want to try again? 143. No, not that many. Not, okay. not on day two. <laughs> oh, man. Ironically, Dom, 69 cars, trucks, still. and then one tow truck still in the center. <laughs> 69 vehicles or perhaps i just stopped looking at a irony you know how that yeah goes. you might you might have you know you know zoned out for just a moment uh crudy it's going to be cold right we're getting more snow oh, and it's going to be cold i just looked it up on the weathers.com uh where we go we're going to dubuque right dubuque, we're going Iowa. i i have a i the, have a broadcast the, location the high the high on monday the 15th negative three the low negative 13. I'm going to keep you warm, Dom. I'm taking you to a special place. It's the Shot Tower Inn. They serve cocktails, sandwiches, and pizza. And then they had like a, a sub sign serving for 56, 56 years, Dom. Wow. All right. 56 years. This is the place people go to. I actually went to a different restaurant. They said, no, you got to go to this place. And also... Meatloaf Monday is back. That's caucus day. I'm doing the meatloaf. Buy the meatloaf. More devils. The meatloaf. We want it now. The meatloaf. The devil's advocates know how to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And we're all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. It's an escape from Iowa Thursday edition. Got out barely done. Didn't even get the meatloaf in. But I'm going back on Monday and I'm taking you with. We're going to Dubuque for the Iowa caucuses. Why Iowa? Why? (laughs) Because it's the first in the nation presidential choice. And come Monday, the Republicans will caucus for their favorite. And unlike the Democrats, Tom, they don't do it as complicated. Now, when we've been in Iowa, and we've done this a few different times, we've gone to Loris College a couple different times. The first one, sort of a shocker, because in 2016, the Loris College poll had Hillary Clinton up 24-26 on election day. <laughs> I mean, it was it was obscene, and I think even the, the guy who did the poll recognized that it was uh, probably not accurate. Maybe an outlier. It was a bit of an outlier because (laughs) if I recall the outcome that night, it was a coin flip between the Hillary Clinton and the Bernie Sanders campaign. Mm -hmm. And then there was the 2020 outcome and we were in Dubuque and our good friend, John Nichols from the nation, you know, he, he was at the caucus before he was conspiring to let all the people in the U S Capitol on January (laughs) six, he was at the dim caucus and in, in Dubuque, Iowa with us at Loris college. And that day, there were a lot of dims in the race, right? This was the first contest. And to reach viability, you had to have 15% of the people in the room. 
and uh, Amy Klobuchar didn't. And then her her supporters had to go find a different candidate. And that's the only way that Joe Biden made viability in the Dubuque caucus that we attended. That's the only way he had the prerequisite. I think it was 35, about 200 people at the caucus that night, 15% roughly. He had to get 35 people numerically, if my memory serves, Tom. And it was only with a couple of Klobuchar defections that he made viability <laughs> right. at the caucus. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that was a bit of a crap show, Dom, because the Dems had a, a new app and we didn't find out who won the caucus <laughs> for days and weeks. And it was a fight between Judge's people and Bernie Sanders people. And, you know, then eventually Super Tuesday came around and everyone jumped out and jumped on the Joe Biden bandwagon. But before that happened, there was Iowa, Dom. And now the Dems don't care about Iowa. And of course, Joe's running effectively unopposed. I don't care about Marianne Williamson per se. So nobody's going to caucus for the Dems. Maybe they do something, but it's of no consequence. But the Republicans, the Republicans will go and they don't have to have viability in the room. They effectively do secret ballot. They still, you, you go and make your pitch. I think Trump's a damn fine man. He always tells the truth and he's a great businessman. Whatever they, <laughs> you know, the, the, the caucus captains and actually Trump's were golden white hats. That oh, was described was as part of, of his town yes. hall last night. Yes. He's got a better ground game this time around. And what we say the high in Iowa going to be approximately negative negative three three. the high a low of negative 13 that's going to impact some perhaps older trump supporters and they're going to get their third round of blizzards tomorrow i mean the the blizzard warnings are already on in iowa because of course that weather hits them before it hits us here in wisconsin so anyways damn we have a location and uh I walked into the Shot Tower Inn. I actually ate at a different place. I'm like, this is a cool place, sort of a diner, Main Street kind of place. Then I noticed on the door, closed on Mondays. Ah, oh. damn it. So I actually got encouraged by the, the nice waitress there to go find the Shot Tower Inn. I said, I don't want some place that's been in business five minutes. I need a place that just says, screams, Dubuque, the place you go to before you go do something better. She said, well, that's the shot tower in. So I went in and, you know, nice big wooden building down a couple stories, big facility. And it's got this very patriotic sign out front blue on the top shot tower in, in the white. And then their, their servings, I mentioned the cocktails, sandwiches, and pizza and pizza somehow pops out in yellow, but anyways, otherwise pretty patriotic, red, white, and blue. And then the, Subcalendar, Dom, the, the subheadline, as I mentioned, serving for 56 years. I'm like, this is historic Dubuque, right? Right in the downtown, right in the heart of this town. You can damn near see the, the gold spire on the city county building from, from this restaurant. And then I saw Meatloaf Monday's back. And I'm like, we're coming on a Monday. <laughs> that sold you, man. January 15th is a Monday. So it could be for the love of meatloaf tour, but it will be <laughs> the devil's advocates for the love of democracy tour 2024. Thank you to chance design build 
will be at the Shot Tower Inn. So, John from Dubuque, you've been asking where are we having a beer at. I'll buy the beer because you can't rely upon Dom to buy a beer. I will buy your beer, John, if you join us there. Anyone else that's in Dubuque that night, come to the Shot Tower Inn. Hell, I might buy you some meatloaf. I'll I'll be the test meatloafer. I'll try the meatloaf. <laughs> I'm meat great at drinking the beer, Curdy. Uh, so, all right, so we got a spot location for Monday. Did you check the Wi-Fi, man? How, how's the internet I didn't, over there? I didn't check out the Wi-Fi, but, you know, <laughs> we got the super-duper you know, we got the all Max right, Connect right. thing now. All but right, we got let, a me, spot, let, man. let me tell you about the manager just for a minute. All right. It's not Tanya. Tanya, you've heard the name Tanya. It's Tanya. And as I'm speaking with Tanya, I'm, you know, introducing myself for the greatest radio show ever, you know, that kind of stuff. And we would like to come here and broadcast here because it's in relative proximity to the caucus location and you know we want to have fun and we'll spend some money we'll drink some drinks we'll eat some meatloaf and you know can we do it just want to make sure she said so you basically talk you just talk like i'm like yeah we bring our own gear it all fits in a suitcase i said so we need a table but yeah we'll be the loudest patrons but yeah we basically just talk just put us in a corner give us a window and a power plug and we'll be all good she said you know, I won't be able to stay very long because I got a caucus that night. Oh, really? She was very proud to tell me she was going to go caucus. And I was less clear. You know, are the Democrats, are they caucusing as well? I'm not clear. So I tried asking in sort of a backwards way. I said, are you caucusing at Laura's College? Because that's where we used to go for the Democratic caucuses, right? That was the big caucus location in, in, in Dubuque. Yeah. I said, or... Will you be joining us over at the high school? And she said, well, actually, I'm from the county, so I don't go to either of those. Well, that doesn't give me any clear indication of, <laughs> right. Who, of, who of whether. For? And, then, and then she told me a story like her sister has been a very active person working some of the campaigns. Politically? Yes, gotcha. this, okay. this cycle, apparently. Tanya's sister, sister-in-law, someone. And uh, she said, but the problem is, you know, you go work, you do all the volunteering, but then you don't even get to see the candidate by the time it's all done. So this time she's not doing that. She's just like going around. And she was very proud to tell me that Vivek Ramaswamy had been to town. And I thought she also mentioned Nikki Haley. I, you know, only half pay attention to people sometimes. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. But I suspected one thing for sure. Tanya is going to default back to Trump. When it comes time to, to caucus. Interesting. And we've been to some Trump rallies. And I got to tell you, Dom, pretty woman. She is a pretty woman. And I think if you thought of every woman we ever met at every Trump rally, you could picture this woman in your in your mind. Very Aryan, blonde hair, blue eyes, tan, gold chain. And very proud to tell me she was going to caucus on Monday. She was going but to she leave didn't say work. For whom? She didn't have to, Dom. <laughs> she didn't have to. She was going to take a second shower before wanting to smell good for the caucus. Apparently, <laughs> all right, man. Was, well, was going to you know the fryers can have an impact. So uh, okay, we'll but meet her when, briefly. When, Tanya will be there on Monday to greet all us. Right. She is the manager. Did, of the, she, did she ask? The did shot she tower inquire what kind of radio uh, content? Do we provide the greatest radio show ever? Did she, was she curious about that? Well, she did want to know what we were called. 
I said the devil's advocates. She didn't, you know, take it too satanically or anything like some occasionally do. And I said, you know, we we have fun. We do politics and okay. You know, well, I you mean, said politics. I absolutely said politics. I said we have fun. We do politics, and we would only stay for a couple hours, and we'd spend some money and tip well and treat their staff well. And that's all I confess to. <laughs> and I figured if she wanted more than that, <laughs> she, she could look asked. us up. She could, yeah. she could Google us. I mean, apparently Trump's team has, because I've now been denied from two Trump events, including one today. I wouldn't have had time for Dubuque Dom because I was supposed to go to a Trump event today in Iowa, and Trump wasn't even going to be there. He was sending a surrogate, Stabby McStabberson. Ben Carson, his one black friend, other than Herschel Walker. Let's not forget the former senatorial oh, yeah. candidate. How could we Georgia. possibly forget? Right. But Dom, I wasn't able to attend. Apparently we're on the uh, Trump enemy of the state list. So I what? I didn't bring you back to Ben Carson either, but Nate's been working hard. And I think there was something of note. According to Nate, you may want to take note of the surrogate on behalf of Donald Trump. Stabby McStabberson, Dr. Ben Carson, former presidential candidate. Here's the one thing he said. Slavery is nothing to be ashamed of. Cut for. And interestingly enough, you look back to the beginnings of this country and our founders. A lot of people are trying to denigrate them now, saying that they were horrible people, maybe because some of them had slaves. And that America is a horrible place because we had slavery. People who say stuff like that obviously don't have a good grasp on world history. Because every society has had to deal with slavery. Nope. And there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been at any point in time. You look at human trafficking and sexual slavery. And we ought to be concerned about what's going on now, not what happened 200 years ago. And if there's anything unique about the United States, if there's anything unique about the United States and slavery, it's that we had so many people who were vehemently opposed to it that we fought a bloody civil war to get rid of the evil institution. And should have negotiated. That's what we should teach our children. Our history is nothing to be ashamed of. There's good, there's bad, and there's ugly, as there is in every society inhabited by human beings, which is why we need a savior. What? Oh, does Dr. Carson, oh. does Stabby, our buddy Stabby McStabberson, does he, he realize the guy. he would be one of those slaves? Does that bother him at all? Ah. Uh. I, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. Um, sure, you know, we, we what does Jeff Scott Olson always like to tell us, man? Uh, we're a flawed species, humanity, no, no doubt about it. But to not recognize that and to just what poo poo it and oh, you know, that was 200 years ago, or what was the consequence? Well, what has happened between then and now? And Mr. Carson, if you were alive 200 years ago or even 100 years ago, would you be in the same position that you are right now? This is not ancient history the tone of voice he takes ben carson 
he doesn't keep his eyes open often when he speaks. I think it's because he puts himself to sleep, too. <laughs> it's tough now, to it would have been to tough man. to go to that event this morning just you outside of Des Moines on a hangover. <laughs> yeah. I would have been wondering what the hell this man's talking about. So I kind of let you down, people. There weren't any good drinking buddies at the bar last night. I mean, I met some people of a Vec Ramaswamy person, and we got some people, some caucusers. We're going to go meatloaf and drink some beers with at the Shot Tower Inn in Dubuque, Iowa. We're going to bring you the For the Love of Meatloaf, For the Love of Democracy Tour 2024. It kicks off again. Well, it continues on Monday. It never ends, baby. Come back with us. You can be a part of this big program. Just dial 844-967-2789 and escape from Iowa edition. Happy Thursday. Think you know politics? Think again. Welcome to the Devil's Advocates. And thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show, the For the Love of Democracy Tour. Crudy, it's on, baby. And you can always take us with you. If you can't check us out on the radio, get the Civic Media app. Go to your favorite app store, download the Civic Media app, call, text, join us. You can join us on the phones right now, 844-967-2789. Dom, you think Iowa's complicated? Wait till the first week of February. They got a primary and a caucus. Weird. And a Super Bowl. I'll be in Vegas. Tell you all about it, my friend. Uh, let's turn our attention to politics in our backyard, Dom. And the irony of this next story is rich. <laughs> Attempt to recall Speaker Robin Voss. And, you know, I'm very supportive of this thought. <laughs> yeah. But the attempt to recall Speaker Robin Voss could face a roadblock with the Supreme Court redistricting ruling. Saved by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Say it ain't so, Robin Voss. <laughs> I mean, how ironic is that? Very. Uh, a state Supreme Court ruling ordering new legislative maps in Wisconsin is raising questions about whether a new effort to recall Assembly Speaker Robin Voss could take place before new district boundaries are drawn. The December ruling declaring the state's legislative maps unconstitutional banned state elections officials and here's the quote from the ruling, Dom, from using the current maps in all future elections. Uh-oh. Some some legal experts say this likely affects a group of largely recent county residents who on Wednesday launched a, re- a recall campaign against Voss in the 63rd <laughs> Assembly, the Fighting 63rd, Dom. That language is pretty categorical. So my sense is that no recall election could be held until new maps are adopted or the court takes some other authorizing action. Uh, Robert Yablani, professor at the UW Law School. Rick Essenberg, president and chief counsel. You know that guy, Dom, from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Well, 
He also believes the ruling in the redistricting case prevents election officials from holding a recall election. I'd think a recall election in the speaker's current district could not be conducted and signatures collected from the persons who reside outside his new district presumably couldn't count in determining whether an election can proceed in a new district should his current one be changed. So you got both sides agreeing. Well, there's there's Ish. another thought here. Ish, uh, Chad Oldfather, a law professor at Marquette University, said he's hesitant to conclude redistricting ruling bars the recall effort. Quote, for one thing, the question wasn't one the court was considering in Clark, and courts are generally pretty reluctant to consider themselves bound by statements in past decisions that incidentally relate to some future situation they haven't had, uh, they haven't didn't have in mind at the time. In other words, if someone during the course of writing the Clark opinion had said, what about recall elections? There's a very good chance the court would have added something to the recall or to the effect of except recall elections. But that presumably didn't happen because that's not what anyone had on their mind. Uh, he said the state's electoral process ought not to bar voters from recalling elected officials under the current maps. It'd be freezing otherwise recallable officials in place for reasons that have nothing to do with the purposes of the recall mechanism. In a letter to Voss dated Wednesday, the WEC, the Wisconsin Election Commission Chief, legal counsel Jim Wichetta, raised the issue and said the commission must research whether an office holder can be recalled and whether petitions may be circulated when the official's district has been ruled unconstitutional a quote the legal examination is ongoing and the commission has not yet formulated its opinion on recall and circulation viability in light of the ruling he said commission officials will continue discussing the matter with state department of justice attorneys the doj had no comment isn't it ironic don't you think <laughs> a little too ironic dom robin voss saved from the recall by the supreme court's ruling on by the, the woke left maps? supreme court <laughs> right you, uh, but it is it is interesting i mean i gotta wonder how this would actually play out because of course people have the right to recall their elected official i mean what you're gonna tell everyone they, they could amend it they could do something say something to to impact it uh but uh if this were to be stand and and voss could not be recalled because of the liberal justices on the Supreme Court. Oh, how very ironic. If you recall when Scott Walker was recalled in the state of Wisconsin, when was it? About November, approximately? He had to be in office for a year or was it elected for a year? Maybe it was January. Maybe it was... Someone should look that up. So I'm not standing here saying stuff that I might not be able to back up with facts. I hate when that happens. I forget. Well, what's your point, though? The timing? The timing. I forget whether it was November, a year elected, or a year from inauguration before he could be recalled, right? And the recall election took place in June of that year, June of 2012. So he was elected in November of 10, and I just can't remember specifically, but I want to say it was pretty early when you could print your recall ballot time. I remember like 1201, like print, print, you know, me and technology. <laughs> right. I, couldn't connect the, the printer. I wanted to get that recall ballot print. Want to get that thing signed. I was going to take it down to work and get all my buddies to sign it. Didn't realize so many of my staff at that time didn't share my what? desire to go recall the former governor of the state of Wisconsin. I got zero recall signatures from the entirety of my staff. Haven't you ever heard of loyalty people? <laughs> 
Uh, uh, the internet has told me, Crudy, that the recall, in the state of Wisconsin, the voters may petition for the recall of any elected official after the first year of their term. So they have to actually be inaugurated, be in the office for a year, and then they can be recalled. So that would be in approximately the first week of January that Scott Walker would have been eligible first week of 2012 and the recall election happened in June. Why I was trying to sort of flash back to the timeline. It seems like an asinine idea here. I mean, you know, the fact that Robin Voss is the target makes me encourage it, but still an asinine. This is Jack Assery, right? Because Robin Voss is already on the ballot in November. You could go out and primary Robin Voss in August. And even if Crudy's timeline, even if it was January and then you could, you know, collect for two months and get the sufficient number and qualify the 7,000 required signatures. Well, you know, that election, that recall election would theoretically happen in what, June? And then you got to work a primary in there because maybe there's multiple candidates that would want to run against Robin Voss in a recall right. election. And it would have already been August's partisan primary. You can already go <laughs> primary the guy in August. So this jackassery, I'm encouraging it, but it seems quite inefficient and a waste of the court's resources. But I keep it up, boys. Donate some money to the cause? If really? necessary. If necessary. <laughs> Not a lot, you know, but enough to buy a couple six-packs maybe. Come back. We are the Devil's Advocates going into a happier, happy hour. I'm going to tell you what I'm troubled about. Trump's town hall. If you were a first time tuning in, paying attention, Trump seemed damn near electable last night. Oh, he seemed like he was on something.